Back to life. Back to reality. Let's share a slice of reality, folks. It's episode 197. It's a rerun, though. You already heard this one. This one you already heard. So if you just want to fast forward a little bit, I get it. There's some good parts in the middle. I finished strong, but this whole preamble at the beginning where I just babble some bullshit, you don't need this again. This is just a rerun. You got this one already. This might sound like 88, episode 116. This might even sound a little bit like 182. You remember that one? So yeah, we got a rerun on our hands, but we want to make it special still, okay? We want to add a little flavor to this rerun, so how are we going to do that? I'm asking you, what's going to make this one special? It's not just on me. This one's partially on you. What kind of mood are you in right now? Are you ready for a podcast? If you're not ready, stop. Just stop. Stop. Come back later. When you're calm, when you feel a little bit of joy surging through you, then you hit play on this episode. But if you come at it from the wrong mindset and the wrong mood, and I'm just bringing the same old tired act, it's not going to work. We got to make this special, okay? It's symbiotic. It's symbiosis. It's symbols on a drum kit. It's Simba from the Lion King. It's Simba. I got nothing. I thought I was rolling with that prefix. I got nothing. Let me just get out in front of this. I'm not going to watch Ted Lasso. All right, that's it. The conversation's done. Too many people. Too many people coming up to me on the streets. They say. Are you enjoying Ted Lasso? How many streaming services can we have? I'm not watching it. It's not for me. Sudeikis is fine. I'm not watching Ted Lasso. The conversation's done. We move on. It's time to expose myself. Not visually. All right. This is just an audio experience, but I'm about to expose myself because this is a safe zone. Do you feel safe right now? I feel safe enough to admit something. This is not a joke, but if there's anyone out there listening that can relate, then I think we're about to become best friends. I learned two weeks ago, no, 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 not 30 years ago, I learned two weeks ago that I've been singing the national anthem improperly. I've been singing the Star Spangled Banner, and if you're wondering, why are you singing the national anthem so much? I don't know. Don't we all occasionally mumble it to ourselves? Oh, see, can you see? By the dawn's early light, what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming. So far, so good. My entire life, I've thought it was who's brought, B-R-O-U-G-H-T, who's brought stripes and bright stars. Now, this is a big moment for all of us because I'm revealing a personal truth, a lyric, a pretty important lyric that I've gotten wrong my entire life up until two weeks ago when I actually Googled the lyrics. I thought I had them memorized, but it turns out it's broad. Who's broad? B-R-O-A-D, stripes and bright stars. That is fucking unbelievable that I didn't know that. Who's brought stripes? It just sounded right. Now, I blame all the singers. I bet you there's some singers. I bet there are people who have sung the national anthem at big ball games, maybe even at a Super Bowl or a World Series, and they were just trying to get the sounds right, but they didn't totally know the words. Who's broad stripes? Are they that broad? They seem decently sized, but who's brought stripes? Isn't that like the Americans were bringing 
stripes colonists bringing it to the British and bright stars through the perilous night or perilous fight. Now I got to Google it again. Okay, I'm struggling. I'm Googling right now through the perilous fight. Obviously. Okay, obviously. I'm not going to continue with this nonsense, but did you know it was broad? Did you? Be honest with yourself. Just for a moment. Like I said, it's a safe zone. Be honest with yourself. You thought it was brought, didn't you? Who's brought stripes? And that was humiliating. That's one of those moments where you go, oh, oh, shit. I'm a teacher? I mean, it's not like I teach the anthem, but come on. That's actually a good moment with students to let, let them know. I make mistakes. There's some shit I don't know, too. Hey, kids, I was once like you in that desk looking at that clock cheering on the second hand. Come on. Come on, second hand. Speed that shit up. We got lunch coming up. But now I'm the teacher. So you want me to know those are broad stripes and bright stars, too. Taught a little bit about the history of nutrition today and how the government had to start regulating the meatpacking industry. And the FDA needed to make sure that medicine companies weren't just putting a bunch of illicit drugs into the children's cough syrup. And to make sure that we were going to start using expiration dates in this country. And nutrition facts. Let people know what they're actually eating. Because at first it was just the wild, wild west. These stores were just selling anything. There's no rules. There's no laws. Sell them anything. Month old steaks. Hey, why not? It's gray, but it's your day. That's a free steak. And it takes a little bit of research to know what you're putting into your body. Not a bunch. You know, you don't have to like do extensive research to realize, all right, clean eating is probably a better alternative to a bunch of processed foods and trans fats and chemical preservatives and just a bunch of shit you don't want to put in your body. But, but I've been thinking, I'm trying to lose a few, that it's nearly impossible. I've reached a point in my life, it's nearly impossible to avoid being in the presence of good old fattening food. There's going to be so much cake in my life because these two daughters I have are going to go to a lot of birthday parties. There's going to be cupcakes. There's going to be ice cream. And there's always going to be some stranger who just brings me a little paper plate with everything on it. And am I always just going to go, no, 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 thanks. No, thanks. I'm trying to lose a few. Am I going to be that guy at every kid's birthday party when they bring me a paper plate full of round table pizza? Am I going to go, oh, I can't, I can't. You see, the thing is I'm trying to lose a few and I'm not sure if that's organic cheese and I'm not sure if that's too much saturated fat for my daily intake. No, eventually you just got to start cheating and eating and cheating and eating. But I remembered something. And this is many years ago, but I'll never forget it. And I've actually started doing this. When I was hosting shows on the Padres radio station, you know, every time the Padres would sign a new player, they would come on my talk show and we'd say, Hey, how are you? How you been? Tell us, what are your goals? Here in San Diego, would you like to win games with the Padres? You know, the same old expected radio questions. But there was one day, I think this was going back to 06, 07, 08. I forget, but it was a long time ago. My producer said, we have Doug Brocale on the show today. I was like, Doug Brocale? Who? Journeyman pitcher? Kind of like Harrison Major League. Crisco. You know who Harris is in Major League, the old vet. And the Padres brought in Doug Brocale. And one thing we learned, I think my producer was telling me, is he's had some heart surgeries. 
He's got stints. He's had angioplasty. This is his big comeback. He's coming back to the big leagues with the Padres after 15 heart surgeries. What a story it'll be. You know, we got to find the story. You got to find the angle. So we're talking to Padres pitcher Doug Brokale. Doug, how you feeling? It was a good interview, but I remember asking him about life after heart surgery. And he was saying, it's tough because I can't eat all the stuff I used to love to eat. And I can't drink all the stuff I used to love to drink. And now I'm in a clubhouse where they bring in a big spread of deliciously fattening food after every game with a bunch of beer and he can't chew tobacco. I mean, you really have to treat your body differently. And he said, but I still take the bites and I chew it all. And then I spit it out. He said, I chew bites of pizza. I chew fried chicken. I'll swish beer in my mouth. I just spit it all out. And I was like, what, what? It sounded so weird at the time. And then just this past week, my girls had pizza in the house and I was about to throw away their crust. And there were some little slices of kids' pizza, and I started to chew it. No one was in the kitchen. I just started to chew it at the sink, and then I spit it out, and I thought, that's my Doug Brokale tribute. If anyone saw me doing that, it looks a little weird. It looks a little weird to chew pizza and spit it out because you're that concerned about losing a few pounds. And I didn't even have heart surgery, so what's my excuse? What do I want, abs? What do I even want at this point? Why am I trying to lose a few? I don't know. That's a good discussion, too. Why not live a little? Why not swallow the pizza? But... I found it to be kind of satisfying. So there's my diet. It's the Doug Brokale diet. Chew what you want. Put it all in your mouth. That's the name of my diet. It's called put it all in your mouth. Just don't swallow. What are you in the mood for right now? Beef jerky? Cookie dough? Tino's pizza rolls? Hot pockets? Put it all in your mouth. Then spit it out. Make sure your wife's not watching, but just spit it out. I almost have to do this. I'm trying to lose weight without self-restraint. I don't possess the self-restraint. Why are all kids' menus so shitty for you? Adults will order at a restaurant, then the waiter or waitress will look at the kid. You gonna have corn dogs? Pizza? Butter noodles? Fries? What are you having? To clog your little artery. Why do we do that to kids? I mean, I guess it's because it's tasty. But this is just like the American tradition for the kids' menu to just be like, the type of shit we're probably not supposed to eat a lot of, but we call it just kids' menu. What are you going to have? The spaghetti and meatballs? The deep fried chicken tenders? Topped with ice cream? Or the kids' nacho pile? Oh no, there's a fly in my room. There's no way I'm going to be able to continue this. Hold on, I got to kill this. And then have a little fly funeral. I'll eulogize him, but hold on, I'm going to pause. Okay, okay, back. Don't judge me. Not all living beings get to survive when they enter a house. I'll ask you right now, would you kill a possum if it came in your house or would you just try to shoot it out, shoot it out, shoot, 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 get out. If a possum came into your house, like the door was open, just scurried in, I bet you'd faint with fear. My wife saw a possum the other day. She saw it over my shoulder. We were outside and I saw the look of terror on her face and I didn't even look behind me. I just ran. I just ran because the look on her face, it let me know you got to run. And she pointed it out. That was a possum. That's the scariest looking animal. I did just see a Japanese mountain climber fight off a bear. Go to YouTube. Try to watch that. That'll jolt your system a little, but not quite like seeing a possum run in your backyard as your wife looks like she just saw a ghost. You got to go inside. What was the question again? No, you don't kill a possum. If it comes in your house, you sicko. What What would you even do? Kick it in front of your kids? I hope you're happy. Kids who eat corn dogs. Where was I? Chicken tenders, all the things on the kids' menu that we want. It just looks better than whatever we ordered on the adult menu. And then we box it because they never eat it all. 
They never eat it all. We box it and then we struggle with, all right, when do I plow through this? When everyone's asleep, but now I'm just going to chew it and spit it out. And I already said that, so we got to move on, folks. We got to move on. You don't have time for this rerun. You're a busy person. You don't have time for me to just backtrack. I'm going forward. Speaking of kids, how many festivities do we need at elementary school? I know I should just sound grateful, which I am. I love TK, transitional kindergarten. I love all the teachers. I love all the principals. I love the campus. I love all the custodians. I love the librarian. I love the PE teacher, the music teacher. I love it all. There's your disclaimer. But how much communication do we need? How many emails can families truly handle nowadays? My daughter just started TK in August. I feel like I get three solid emails per day. Communication is so good. But over communication, I think it's an issue. I think our current generation adults, we need to check ourselves a little bit with the over-communication, maybe at every level of school, maybe not just elementary school. But I'll get an email, you know, late September, Halloween parade's coming up, then a Halloween party, we're doing the patch, and then prizes, we're doing Halloween contests, we're going to need some volunteers, parents, we're going to need volunteers for the Halloween parade, Halloween Appreciation Week is coming up, and then we have Halloween uh, information seminars and programs, Halloween Awareness Month, of course, is going to follow, we have precautions, we want you all to be on a Zoom for our holiday seminar, where we talk about pumpkin seed recipes, disposing of the pumpkins in a compost, we want to make sure we're having an environmentally friendly Halloween, some costume rules we want to get to so read this nine paragraph email on costume rules post halloween debrief workshop it's coming up on zoom here's the link to a zoom or you can meet in the multi-purpose room we're talking about we're talking about halloween when i was growing up i went to dixie it's now called lucas valley elementary should i just say i went to lucas valley elementary that's a tough question or do i have to say that every time i went to dixie it's problematic to call it dixie so they changed the name to lucas valley elementary school that's where i went i think my mom might have gotten i don't know one letter a year, Santa's coming to the library, that's it. And now, at least three emails per day, big paragraphs. What are we doing? What are we doing? We're so scared of kids. That's my philosophy. We're so scared of them that we want to keep them stimulated at all times. We're scared of them getting bored. And we all just project whatever traumas we had and we go, now let's give them the best life they've ever had. But we're giving them too much. We're giving them too much. We should bore the shit out of them sometimes we should make sure these kids are bored sometimes but every day's an amazing festivity it sounds like i'm complaining about that we're giving them a great life kudos to you young parents out there i bet you're giving your kid a pretty good life i bet you'll hit that pumpkin patch three times i bet you have at least four things lined up surrounding halloween and don't get me started on what's coming up for thanksgiving don't get me started on the Thanksgiving emails that are right around the right around the corner, it's going to take a lot of your life. It's going to take a lot of minutes of your lives to read all the emails coming from the public schools about the parent meetings, the volunteer meetings, the workshops and the seminars, the appreciation, the debriefs, the precautions and all that. But you know what? Who am I to complain about any of this? It's better than it's ever been, right? Should we say that? It's better than it's ever been? Who's brought stripes and bright stars? All right, let's have our minds blown for a moment. Isn't that what you came here for? Don't you want your mind blown? Let's blow the roof off that bad boy. I'm scrolling through Netflix, and sometimes my wife and I are looking for it. We're looking for a deep conversation. We're looking for a heavy topic. You know, all these documentaries out there nowadays. They'll have some new discovery by an astrophysicist to get everyone talking for three weeks. You know those incredible documentaries like Seaspiracy where everyone talks about it for a few weeks and then it just fades. 
And it just fades. We all lapse back into knowing nothing. But for a few weeks, we act all smart. Well, there was one called A Trip to Infinity on Netflix. A Trip to Infinity. And it's broken down into chapters. There's a chapter called Wormhole. There's a great bit about how an apple in a box will decay into mush. Just nothingness. Then dust. Just microscopic particles. If you leave an apple in a box... And then it kind of becomes one with the universe eventually. Just its nothingness blends in. Stardust, atoms, all these particles just back into the universe. Give it enough time. Give it enough time. Give it a lot of time. It'll become an apple again. The whole documentary is about what infinity means as a theory, as a math problem, trying to understand infinity. Something that's tough to grasp. They interview all these mathematicians and scientists to really convey infinity. The concept of what is that? But it made me hopeful. This is the weird part. It sounds like the opposite of being gone forever. That maybe my atoms creating me right now. Me. If I love myself so much and I'm enjoying this life, then my atoms could reform into the same exact meat puppet of a man one day. You know, in about... 500,000 years. Maybe, if you're understanding this, that everything can be recreated again. If we have infinite time, then everything would potentially form again. All relationships. Not sure you'd have, actually, I'm certain you wouldn't have any memory of it. But this being, Josh Rosenberg speaking into a microphone right now, you know, just the labels of Josh with Rosenberg and my consciousness and all this, it could, after I'm gone, come back. Infinite time, right? Infinite space. And I understood it for like five minutes after the documentary. My wife and I are like, whoa, you know, I love that feeling. The Whoa. And then you just lapse back into the normalcy of your day to day, your mundane routine. You almost have to trigger those thoughts by looking for the book. You got to look for the documentary. You got to look for the conversation. Talk to somebody smart. Seek that because it's out there. There's such smart people out there creating great theories and presenting it to us in hour-long documentaries on all these streaming services so now we can all sound smart there's more people that can just sound smart nowadays because they sat through it or they read a chapter or an article on something so i thought about my brother-in-law Sella in minneapolis and i thought about this guy because he's smart so i wrote him an email and then just before i started recording this podcast I nudged him. I said, you got to reply to my email. I want to hear your thoughts about a trip to Xfinity. No, not Xfinity. The hell am I talking about? A trip to Infinity, the Netflix documentary about a wormhole and possibly I could be recreated in infinite time. And I texted him, hey, come on, come on, come on. And I just received a text as I'm recording this. He said, I replied. And he also told me to be more patient. And I said, you're right. I'm not very patient. That's a virtue I'm chasing, but I'm just going to read it blindly. I'm not going to proofread anything i'm just gonna read it blindly here's an email response from my smart brother-in-law Sella in minneapolis maybe i'll read what i wrote first stay with me okay stay with me all right so i'll, I'll read this it says hi Sella. there's a documentary on netflix called a trip to infinity i need you to watch the chapter called wormhole and give me your thoughts there's this great part about an apple i'd already talked about that and then I said, basically, if infinity exists in relation to time and space, can all the atoms that create me be recreated in this exact form in the future? I'm asking my brother-in-law, like he's just the authority on this, but hey, why not? 
he's the type of person that could get into these discussions, these heavy blow your mind discussions. So I said, do you have any smart person thoughts about this? Please blow my mind at your earliest convenience. Love you. Miss you very much. Let's clone ourselves and play more tennis matches where we don't have to miss out on family responsibilities. And I'm not kidding. I do want to clone myself and play more tennis with Sella, but here's his response. And I'm reading this blindly for the first time. Coming in to Josh Rosenberg, 81 at yahoo.com. Yes, I still use Yahoo. However do you want me? However do you need me? He says, Josh, I have repeatedly heard the statement that given infinite time, all things will come to pass. That is, infinite time means infinite possibility and anything that could happen necessarily will since it has an infinite opportunity to come about. Among these infinite possibilities sits the reincarnation of Josh Rosenberg, yeah? If you buy that, then consider the Boltzmann brain, a thought experiment concerning a fully formed brain that comes into existence by the sheer random chance that all the necessary materials just happen to fall into precise place at the same moment, resulting in a fully functional, spontaneously formed, disembodied brain. Astronomically unlikely, but given infinite time, it would, by definition, come about. But and then he says, read the above again and consider if you agree before reading on. Um, sure, I'll say yeah. And now we get to read on. I don't buy the initial premise that in infinite time, all things must come to pass. I think it's based on a naive understanding of infinity. And here's my counterpoint. Consider the infinite integers, all whole numbers from negative infinity to infinity. There are infinitely many numbers. And so all numbers must come to pass, right? He keeps saying come to pass. I don't know if I like the terminology. I'll get back to his email. And yet, in all these infinitely many numbers, you'll never come across 1.5. What's more, between any two integers, say, oh, he's losing me, he's losing me. Between any two integers, say one and two. <laughs> he really is losing me. But I'll keep it for you in case you're listening and care. There are infinitely many decimals and fractions entirely ignored by the infinite integers. There is not one infinity... There are infinite infinities, some infinities entirely subsumed, don't even know that word, Sella, by other large infinities like integers by real numbers. So my take is that, here we go. Can I get a drum roll up in this bitch? Here's Sella's take. My take is that infinite time accommodates infinite possibilities, but comes nowhere near allowing for the infinite infinities of possibilities implied by all things and thus probably no Josh 2.0. But who knows? Impatiently waiting on your reply. Ah, uh, yeah. As he should. I'm the best. When it comes to email and text communication, ah, I'm the best. Quick, punctual, almost scary how fast I reply. Where people must wonder, are you just sitting by your inbox and phone waiting on communication? The answer is yeah. That's all I'm doing. I'm waiting on you, Sella. All right, so he says he doesn't buy that Josh 2.0 is coming, but I do, and that's all that matters. That's my podcast. Okay, that email I'll probably have to break down later and actually dissect it like a real grown-up, like an adult man. But for now, I'll just say, a trip to infinity is worth watching. Really, I felt hopeful. Sometimes I watch stuff like that, and I get scared, and I feel small, and I feel little, and I feel, uh-oh, fearful of the unknown. But I'm thinking maybe I'm already Josh 2.0, 3.0. Maybe this version of me has already happened. There you go. There you go. <clears throat> Don't cough into the mic. People are listening. Who's in the news more, Biden or Trump? You know the answer. Who's in the news more, Biden or Trump? Why is that? 
Trump, right? News out, oh, I guess I didn't kill the fly. He's back, or maybe his brother's here. To avenge the death? Oh no, another fly is in the room. It must be your brother. You're back? Oh, I'm screwed. This is going to be a long night, folks. Where's Jeff Goldblum? That's a fly reference. Have you seen the fly? Back when video stores had a select amount of movies, I bet you eventually rented the fly, right? After Mad Max... You look at the wall of VHS tapes. You eventually got the fly with Goldblum, right? Okay, enough of that. Where was I going? Yeah, Trump. So news outlets, they get the clicks, they get the clicks, they get the clicks. And sometimes it's confusing, right? Why? Why is he still so popular? It's not because everyone's like, all the Trump supporters are not like, I really miss his policies. I really miss his executive leadership. No, it's because it was a symbol of non-political thinking. It was almost the opposite of political. People liked that he was just so different from all the others. So he'll attract a much different base. He was as different from previous presidents as his followers perhaps were from previous voters. And my friend was at a wedding in North Carolina, Boone, North Carolina, and she said the groom, his groomsman had a shrine to Trump in the groom's room at the wedding, a shrine to Trump in North Carolina. This is happening. People are still worshiping the guy, worshiping. It's not like, you know what? We miss him in the Oval Office, but it's just like, who cares where he is? He doesn't have to be in the Oval Office. That's what I'm realizing. He doesn't have to be the president. He doesn't have to run again. He has this following of people who will just blindly follow him. And I would get it. Here's why I'm a little confused. I would get it if Trump was from the South, if he was someone who grew up in the church. Or if he was someone that went hunting and fishing once in a while. The guy's probably never gone hunting and fishing. Or if he had any sensibilities that seemed to reflect a lot of these worshipers. I wouldn't even call them followers. These are worshipers. They drape themselves in his flag still. But wasn't he like an urban socialite? Like, you remember Trump before politics? Just a New Yorker? A famous, wealthy New Yorker. He was on Saturday Night Live, The Apprentice. He was in that USFL documentary, Small Potatoes. He was just a public figure, famous, but in no way did you ever think that guy, before he got involved in politics, at no point did you go, you know what, he's going to reflect the interests of a lot of these folks in the South. And I know it's not just the South. I know it goes beyond. And I know it's not just white people who clamor on to Trump and his message. But I don't think he wants to hang out with those people. That's the point. I don't think Trump's inner circle, the people he would associate with, reflect the people that worship him the most. You think Trump's ever gone camping? You think he's ever gone to the shooting range? You think he actually understands anything in the Bible? That would be so weird to attract a fan base. Like if I all of a sudden attracted a fan base and there was people that just loved me so much. They didn't just like me, but they loved me so much. And then I started to really analyze these people and went, oh God, I don't think I'm like them at all. Has Trump had that moment? He's playing this game. By the way, I have a theory on this. I have an absolute theory. I'm going to drop it right here. I bet he's had that moment where he's like, God, all these people voting for me, loving me, promoting me, following me. It's like, I don't relate to them one bit but i could play the game because it is a game the whole thing's a game politics is just one big game this grandstanding all this media rhetoric it's just a game it's just a game these are just man-made creations but i have a theory 
I think when he's eh, probably mid 80s. I think we got to wait a little bit. He's going to write a memoir. And I mean a real tell-all. I mean a real honest one. Where he goes, I fooled all of you. Just fooled all of you. I'm the puppeteer. I orchestrated so much bullshit for so many years that even I didn't buy into. And he'll reveal all these things that perhaps he wasn't really buying into. He just knew it was a successful path to wherever he wanted to get to. And he loved the drama and he started to enjoy it. Got drunk with power and all these things. And then he's just going to reveal all these things that he's denied. Or all these things that he's conjured up. And it is going to become the best-selling book of all time. It'll actually exceed all sales of all books collectively more than the Bible. This will be more of a bestseller than the Bible, not just a New York Times bestseller. Everyone would read that. If Trump had a tell-all memoir where he goes full revelation mode and it comes out, I don't know, in seven years, I don't know one person that wouldn't read it. Or wouldn't listen to the audiobook. I don't. I don't know one person that would say, I'm not interested in the new Trump book where he reveals everything, the aha moment at the end. There has to be an end, right? We're still in the midst of this. There's got to be an end. There's always an end. And I don't just mean death. I mean, death would be too subtle for him. I mean, bigger. He's, there's something coming. There's something big, bigger than the White House. There's something bigger. I think he's going to drop it. I think he's going to drop the book of all books that'll be read by all the lefties and righties and moderates and everybody in every country. And then he'll just get on a spaceship and be the first person on the moon to colonize the moon. He'll just have a nice penthouse suite and the first skyscraper on the moon. And that's it. Farewell. And we'll all be like, whoa, what just happened? We'll all look around. Maybe we'll all hug and say, wow, we should probably press reset because that was weird. That got weird. I'm going to end it. I think that's a lot. There were some other things I wanted to say. I don't even know why I went down that path. But, oh yeah, because my friend went to a wedding of groomsmen who worshipped him at a shrine. And that man's headlines far exceed the Biden headlines. Still, still, these news outlets, they love your clicks. They love your clicks. And I thank you. For clicking on this podcast. Ooh, he brought it back. He brought it back. Episode 197. Man, we've been on this journey for a while. Before I bounce, quick congratulations to my friends, John Bush and Elena, on their engagement. Big news. Big news in the friend group. That means I potentially will be invited to another bachelor party, which is my biggest fear in life. It's also what I'm looking forward to. It's simultaneously one of my biggest fears and also... One of my biggest sources of joy. A bachelor a bachelor party at this age? Oh my God. That's too, it's too much. Plus, he might not even have one. So I don't want to jump the gun on that. Let's not jump anything. But uh, yeah, we got engagement news. And that'll do it. Drop a nice rating or review, won't you now? Huh? That's a little nudge. Just like, uh, hey, sell a reply. Reply to my email. There's your nudge. This episode's in the books, folks. I'll talk to you soon.